0: Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another Adventures in Angular. This week, I'm your host, Charles Maxwood, and we are talking to Raina Ahanakam. Yeah. Uh, looks like Sue joining us. Uh,
1: Rainer, do you want to introduce yourself real quick?
2: Of course. So uh, yeah. hello, everybody. Also hello to the listeners. So my name is uh, Rainer Hanekamp. I am from Austria. So this means my native language is German. I'm part of Ingula Architects. So we are a network of trainers, consultants well, for Ingula. Most of our customers are more or less enterprise. Mm-hmm. customers. So we are dealing uh, with uh, with with applications that have been written by many teams. And of course there you have these questions for architecture, monorepositories, um, module federation, micro frontends and all that stuff. Lead trainer, so to say, is Manfred Steyer. Um, he's uh, mm-hmm. very well known in the Angular community. And apart from that, so apart from our more or less enterprise topics. I also focus on testing and um, NGRX. And um, well, I also write blog articles. I also have a YouTube channel. And I also do something which is called NG News. Uh, this is a special Angular newsletter, I would call it. It's in the form of a video. It only lasts 100 seconds, it's published once per week. And well, you can find it mainly on Twitter.
1: with devchat.tv, and I renamed it to Top End Devs because I want to give you the resources that are gonna help you to build the career that you want. right? So whether you wanna be an influencer in tech, whether you want to go and just max out your salary and then go live a lifestyle with your family, your friends, or just traveling the world or whatever, I I wanna give you the resources that are gonna help you do that. We're gonna have career and leadership resources in there, and we're gonna be giving you content on a regular basis to help you level up and max out your career. So, go check it out at topendevs.com. If you sign up before my birthday, that's December 14th. If you sign up before my birthday, you can get 50% off the lifetime of your subscription. Once again, that's topendevs.com.
0: So, just a few things. You, you're only mildly involved in the community.
2: Yes, <laughs> yes, you could say that. <laughs> kind of.
0: Yeah. And we had Subrat join us uh, while we were getting rolling. Uh, Subrat, do you want to just say hello to everybody? and? Let us know what's up. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Hello, everyone. Uh, so I joined a little late today. Sorry for that. So, and and I think I'm pretty excited for the discussion today. Great.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I read through your article about standalone components. Yes. And uh, yeah. it's going to get rid of ng-module.
2: Mm-hmm. Kind of. Um, optional. <laughs>
0: right. Yeah. So, so I guess what we're going to dive into here is, and, and what I'm curious about is, yeah, if you could just give us, a little bit of background as far as like what it is and what yeah. it does and and that kind of a thing, and then we can dive into okay, how does this play into you know the con- conversation around NG module and mm-hmm. when are mm-hmm. we going to have it, what the use cases are, and all that good stuff.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the the art teaching that I've written was more or less about. I mean, we are already in the position that NG modules are optional and the article centers more around the basic questions the questions if we can have modules in an angular application or not because mm-hmm. uh, the term module is part of ng module and if the angular team says they are making that optional and on in the long run maybe uh, eliminate that one what does this mean for modularity modularity in applications right. that's what i was trying to cover with with my article and Well, I mean, I can elaborate a little bit on that because the the strange thing is that, first of all, we have to understand why or actually, yeah, why we actually need to have an ng-module or what it actually is. Mm -hmm. And an ng-module is something that the compiler requires, that the Angular compiler requires because the Angular compiler is built on top of TypeScript. This is the first uh, important Mm -hmm. thing. So, when it comes to compiling an Angular application, the compiler more or less goes through the different TypeScript files. And if we look at the Angular framework, if we look at the elements, what this framework is all about, then we see that we have the services, obviously. And then we have these three. I mean, there is no particular name for them, but I just call them visual elements. And these are the components, the directives, and the pipes. And these three elements, they are the ones that you can reference in a template. So in an HTML code, you are placing a selector, and then the Angular framework knows, okay, if if it sees that selector, that it needs to include this component. This is what we think. But the problem now is when the Angular compiler is placed on TypeScript, it doesn't help in any way if there is a reference in the html code because it needs to have an import statement for Mm -hmm. this component directive for pipe and this is the problem so we have to get some kind of element where we say okay this is a typescript file and this is the import statement there from this for, for this component and this is actually what the ng module was more or less used for and i mean there are different approaches. You could say, why do we need this in the first place? I mean, can, can it not just be worked automatically that it just infers by looking at the HTML, by parsing at the HTML, what kind of component directly for pipe I need to use? Um, unfortunately not. So what the English oh. team has now done, yeah, what the England team has now done, it said, yeah, I mean, you still need to come up with an import statement, but you, don't have to put the statement into an own, into an additional element like an ng module. You can just place it directly into the component itself. So you still need to import it somewhere, but we get rid of this, of this single ng module. This is more or less, uh, the question. Uh, this is more or less it. Mm-hmm. And then the question, of right. course, is okay. But I, as an application developer, I always thought uh, I always had a completely different opinion why I you should use an ng module. I always thought that an ng module is a module for me, for me as my application, as an application developer and for the rest of my team. Because what I would expect from a module that I have isolation that I can say mm-hmm. I can have some components or elements that I can place inside of this module and they can only be used inside of this module only. And then mm-hmm. I also want to, of course, say, okay, these are the public elements that can be accessed by the outside. And this is actually something of what I was expecting, that this is what an engine module is. As it turns out now, it was something more or less that the Angular compiler needed. The, the question is, okay, where do we get now our modules from?
0: right right yeah so, subrat do you have anything to add or anything you want to ask before we move yeah, on and start think, talking uh, about
2: yes yeah, so, so yeah. you were talking
3: about angular element i think that's the uh what the angular module helps us maybe by using the web component we can also expose them as a web component mm-hmm. the element and i think that's the what you explained is wraps on that you can export them and as a web component your your whole application can be exported as a web, mm. web component and then can be used as a micro front end uh, if that uh, can be possible.
2: Yes, I mean, is this a question? I mean, this is just uh, what you can do, of course, with an ng module is that you have a place where you can say, yes, I don't want to bootstrap this application. I -hmm. just want to transform it into a web component. And then it's just up to the consumers to load this JavaScript file. And then I just Mm -hmm. register myself as a web component. Yes, of course, uh, this is also possible. But the question, of course, is uh, do we really have need an engine module to do that? Cannot, can not can't it be done in the main TS or somewhere else where we really need to have this additional element? I mean, this, you, we shouldn't forget it. It's, it's not a simplification if we have too many elements because everybody mm-hmm. needs to understand the roles and all these things. And if I say I can reduce some of these elements by still keeping the same functionality then of course this is an improvement yeah so
3: i think right. what you are saying is instead of bootstrapping ng ng module from main ts we will do the component wrapping from the main ts itself
2: yes i mean uh, with angular 14 we see already i mean it's already out so we see already uh, how it works uh you 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 don't have this bootstrap method anymore you have the bootstrap Mm -hmm. application method you you pack an app component which needs to which needs to be standalone obviously and then uh, you you run your application without uh, any ng module anymore of course as Angular is already there for quite some time and we will yes. not use the Angular framework, we have also third-party libraries that provide their services in the form of NG modules. There will mm-hmm. still be a lot of time where we have to try or where we, where we need to import or where we need to work with NG modules. So there must be some kind of compatibility. But mm-hmm. uh, in general, uh, the trend goes to applications that work without these NG modules. And, and this um, is
0: this yes. is where the standalone components come in, right?
2: Yes. Yes. So the standalone <coughs> components is just another name for optional NG modules. This is just the explanation when I say I am eliminating the NG module. What's left is a component which stands alone. And this is the mm-hmm. name of them
0: for them. So what, what in practice is different than between the two approaches?
2: We will see. Uh, first of all, uh, that the main improvement is uh, that you have one less element that you need to learn and you need to understand. You have fewer files. Mm-hmm. I would say, in my perspective, this is the first advantage, and then we will see what will come out of it. But at the moment, it's I think that the main idea is definitely simplification of the learning curve, making it easier for, also for newcomers. And I mean, you can also see it from a different uh, perspective. If you say uh, less code also means fewer bucks, uh, then uh, this is uh, of course also true for for the standalone mm-hmm. components now.
0: So what are standalone components? Y- yeah, so know.
2: with, with standalone components, you just say the standalone component, the component is not provided, or is not uh, the, it's not the, the ng-module which is responsible to provide all the dependencies for a component, but the component says, this is who I am, and for me, in order to work or to function, I need these uh, components, these pipes, these directives or these ng modules can also be possible. And it just stands alone without the need for any NG module anymore. This is this is it.
0: So all the stuff that I would normally have in a component or subcomponents. Yes. That's all there. I just yeah. I have a component for the area of functionality now that I'm talking about for my Angular app for that particular thing.
2: Yeah, I mean, when it comes to generating a component, you have one file. I mean, yeah, you can have, of course, you have a template file, you have a CSS, but you don't have to switch between the module and the component when you want to add a new dependency to the component. This is a huge advantage. Yeah, I think it's
3: similar to how, I think, in the transition from Angular 4 to 5 or something, they've added a option in the su- services. Yes. Usually, initially, if you remember, you're you are adding in the component level pro- provider then goes to module then go then now it's uh, they have added a provided in so that's yes. the removing the dependency but uh, still that the older thing also going to work and the dependency they have uh, like the priority they have set according to the um, priority of the component
2: I well i mean the, that the, the good of, idea. yeah the official information is that it's optional so they are not mm-hmm. eliminating it yeah, completely yes. and mm-hmm. i think that this is true so they will keep the support for ng modules for a very long time because i think what the angular team learned <laughs> in, in a very hard way is that backwards compatibility is very important and they will not dare in the next few years just to drop ng modules when they know this would be a huge problem for large applications that just can't afford uh, to migrate to standalone components um, at once, and maybe you have even some legacy um, data there, which uh, dependencies there that don't just provide a version for standalone components. It's also mm-hmm. possible, so you you have to keep it there. And and I think as you said it, I mean the the, the mental model of, of the learning curve for Angular is is very complicated because I just described the the the, the, the relationship between the pipes, directives, components with the engine module. But we also shouldn't forget that there are also the services which work completely different. Uh, the services, when they have this injectable, this providing root, then they work without more or less of an, of an Angular module anymore. But you also have the option that an engine module provides them. And this is always very confusing. And I think that this is one of the. Of the right steps that the Angular team has taken, that they're trying to simplify uh, simplify the framework, and of course in that areas where we say it's not really understandable, why it has to be that complicated, why it cannot be easier, and this is this is very good.
3: Yeah, I have a question here, like maybe a con- a contradict one, like mm-hmm. if, uh, when when we're designing a project what we used to now is we'll divide two particular modules. The module will handle a specific action. So a module can have, suppose, 10 10 components. And for them, the service will act differently. Mm -hmm. And for the same service will act differently for others. So that's where we use use class, use factory in the Mm -hmm. module while providing. If you are Mm -hmm. removing the NG module from the picture, then how Mm -hmm. are you going to handle that? Like if you want to, Make a service for, work for a bunch of component. you mm-hmm. of writing it everywhere, and if you are like also writing it everywhere, that means their state is also not uh, not shared across them. So how mm-hmm. that will be handled there?
2: So you mean you used to to use modules in order to override a particular type of a service with different instances or maybe completely different implementations so that you say you have something like an an, an injection token or let's say some kind of Mm -hmm. an interface of an abstract Mm -hmm. class Mm -hmm. and then you decide per module which implementation you want to use. Yes. So I don't see this pattern that often but what you, of course, what you can also do is that you can override it in the component but then you need to override it in in multiple components Components, which is not good. And, well, as far as I know, what you can do is that you could do this via the routing system. So if you say this uh, this is a bunch of components forming a group that depend on a particular implementation of a service, and what you can say is that you use the routing a configuration and you say, yes, on top of that route, I am, I'm am injecting that particular service implementation and then it affects all these components that are linked to this route. As far as I know, this is uh, the strategy that I would. Choose for your uh, particular use case, but I'm not sure if there is not another approach. And one also has to say it's it's very new. So we will see in the upcoming future uh, that new patterns might arise. Maybe some new features that the Angular module will Angular team will provide it, will provide us as well. Yeah, so we will see. But at the moment, it's I mean it's also a developer preview standalone components. Angular itself says. Yes, you can use it in Angular 14, but be aware, it's a developer preview, so we still have the possibility to change it in some way. I mean, I don't think that we sh- that we have to expect some breaking changes, but they have left the door open for themselves <laughs> in order to do uh, some changes yeah. if they are required.
0: Hey, folks, I'm here with JD from Raygun. JD, I mean, it seems like a lot of things these days are kind of pushing us more, toward productivity, right? We install VS Code extensions. We do CI CD. We kind of get this stuff off our plate, automate as much as we can, and move quickly. And one of the tools that I tell people to get is something like Raygun. Uh, do you want to just explain real quick how Raygun can help with the productivity?
4: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's, it's several fold. I like to think of Raygun as... Um, almost being like a full-time engineer on your team that's keeping an eye on things and is able to report the important faults or performance bottlenecks so that you aren't guessing. Um, and so that's one element. But then to that point where we store as all of the data we possibly can uh, on the context of the error or performance issue so that you know we integrate with source control systems. You can jump into our APM and get method-level timing details with the source code right beside it. So if you're looking at it going, why is this page so slow? you know, um, you can usually just eyeball the code right there and then. So speeding everything up, which I think is really important with, you know, our industry is under so much pressure right now. Yeah. You know, um, you know we've got to try and get people be more efficient because we, we're not going to have a whole lot more people suddenly.
0: Right, absolutely. And I, I just, I love that idea. I've done plenty of optimizations to myself, right? And having an APM tool that will actually say, yeah, uh, this is the slow code, right? So instead of me trying to guess, or look at it and go, oh, do I have an n plus one query here? Yeah, it just tells me where the problem is, and that's really powerful in something like Raygun. Or
4: yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm a huge fan of Iron Man, and you know, the 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 idea is that I would love a virtual Jarvis that's just going, hey, there's this thing. Do you want me to go fix this? Do you want me to solve yeah. that? It's like that's that's what we need to get to.
0: Yep, absolutely. Well, if you want uh, the next best thing, go to raygun.com. Uh, it's not Jarvis, but it. It will tell you where the problem is so you can go fix it. You can get a free trial right now if you want. It's raygun.com. So I'm kind of wondering, as we dive into this a little bit and start using this this approach, does it change our testing practices or anything else as far as like our workflow?
2: Yeah, we will see. I mean, we what, what we definitely have to deal with is how can we bring in modularity? I mean, this is something mm-hmm. we still have to talk about, but if we want to uh, stay to the testing, well... In terms of testing, I would say for particular types of tests, it will be easier. Because what we had in the past, when we had a a module, an engine module, and this module contained or declared uh, 10 different components, then you had uh, a bunch of dependencies for this group, and you never could be 100% sure which of these dependencies of these imports are now required for this particular component. And this is something when you want to keep your tests, your, your tests short and if you don't want to overload them. And this is something that you had to find out. So you, you when, when it came up to testbed, configure testing module, you had to find out or you, you, you only wanted to provide the, the dependencies that this particular component needed. Now, for some time, we had already this scam pattern where we say it would be better if, if we, if we don't pack too many components into a single uh, module. But it would be better if every module has just one component. Developers who applied already this CAM principle, they already saw the benefit when it came to testing, because you only need to import that, that, that the complete NG module, and then you could be sure everything that this component requires is now part of the testing module, nothing else. And now with standalone components, Angular forces us or forces more or less the scan pattern to all of us and we will have and we'll see the same effect. So in the future, when I say testbed, I need to configure my testbed for this particular component and I only need to place the component into the testbed. That's it. All the dependencies should be there. Of course, there are some services that are only available in the root scope like an HTTP client or that stuff. This is something we still have to import uh, manually. But that's it. So this will definitely be a simplification, I would say.
0: I like simplification. That's good. Yes, yes,
2: (laughs) yes, yes, yes. (laughs) Me too.
0: So one other thing that I see with with some of these changes is, oh, we have this that more or less replaces that. So then people start going and retrofitting their apps. Is that going to be worth it? Or is that just on new development? And then when I go and change something, then I can change that too
2: oh whoa 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 i think this is a hard question i mean first of all maybe we start uh, with the first part i think although standalone components they are a simplification in the beginning they will not be because you have two approaches and you will definitely find in large applications where some developers trying to come up with standalone components you will find a mixture. So you will see the old world and you will see the new world because there will, most cases there will not be time to migrate the complete application at once. So, and this also applies to all the stack overflow questions, tutorials, blocks that you look up. You will find some outdated ones that are trying to explain to you, look, this is the way how you need to do it. You need to generate an Angular module. There you need to place this component. And then especially beginners will be completely confused because it's the complete opposite that they read in the documentation that more or less says yeah. use standalone components so we will have some kind of this change this period of change which is very similar what we have seen in angular js to angular when you when you looked up for a particular p- bug in terms of angular that you saw some questions regarding to angular js so i think this is something that will come up that will that will come up again but i think your question was about what should i do if i have an existing application should i apply um, standalone components there and I mean it depends I mean there are people who say no don't do it it's not worth it I on the other side I say well if I want to keep my application fresh if I want to keep it updated this is of course also what the Angular team says please upgrade try to upgrade all the time then I would say it's just natural if we know that this is the new way that I also try to upgrade to standalone components as soon as possible the good thing is I can have a mixed approach I don't need to do a big bang I can say I just focus on this particular area where I am introducing standalone components and I leave the rest as it is. And if I have time, I come back and start with the next one. But I would... I would definitely actually, if I have a huge application at the moment, I would try to migrate it to standalone components. Yes. Maybe not now. Maybe I would wait until it, it is out of the developer preview status. So this can be in November 20 uh, this year. Don't know when, when, when Angular 15 um, um, will be released. But once it's stable and there is enough knowledge in the community and experience from others, and I think when I think even as an enterprise application well yes uh, definitely because you don't want to be an, an outdated you don't want to be to have an outdated um, application structure' it's not very good mm,
3: yeah I think also uh, you also need to consider that all the pa- external packages which we're using we are supporting the individual component module so that it can be directly import without mm-hmm. importing in the ng model like suppose I'm saying I'm using angular material now I need to Use that in import and that will be shared across my whole module. Mm-hmm. And I can use them in different components. So in this, in the individual cases, I need to import them in individuals uh, component, right?
2: Yes, yes. But what you can do, I mean, you can still come up with something with the same approach that we had in the past with this shared module when you, for example, when you say you have a mini mean, especially with Angular material, we all know that there are a lot of modules yeah, yeah. that we need to import. Uh, yeah, I mean, then you can just create an array that contains uh, these modules or components if Angular Material also has been transferred. And then you just use the spread operator in the imports of your standalone components, and then you just have it there as well. But yeah, yeah, I mean, you will definitely, I think you will not see this huge, you don't have these groups anymore. Basically you only need to import it once and then it was applied to Mm -hmm. all uh, 10 components. I think this is history.
0: So I'm I'm kind of curious as we move forward with this. Yeah, you know, we're going to see modules going away in some of these setups. My my other question is, is does this lead us to something else, right? Beyond yes. just the way that we organize code?
2: Yes, yes, exactly. Because we need to organize code. In the past, when we thought the right way how to do this, this is by using ng-modules, then what what do we do now? Mm-hmm. And... As it turned out, I mean, this is what I have presented in my article. It's not something which is provided by the Angular CLI itself, but this is provided by Enix, which is very popular, very right. common. But they are providing a concept which is something or which I would define with their approach. You can come up with with what I would really expect, what the, what the module is. Because I already mentioned it in the beginning, I would expect from a module at least that I can hide my elements from the outside now in order to be fair the angular module also could do that so we could say Mm -hmm. yes the i don't export that component pipe or directive then it wasn't available to the outside but that's not all of it i mean we have more elements in angular not just these three elements what if i want to hide a service what if i want to hide a typescript function a typescript interface there are so many things that i want to hide and in order to do that, NX provides linting rules that exactly are made for that. So we, so instead of coming up with with Angular modules, we create so-called libraries. These are just subfolders in the same application uh, or in our same Git repository. And uh, these libraries, they act as modules. So they have an index.ts, this is the barrel file, and everything that I define in this index.ts can be used from the outside. And the NX linter will make sure that this rule is also followed. So if somebody, if my application, for example, wants to access um, an element from a library, and this element is not part of the index.ts, then what your IDE will very likely do is that it will import it, but it will use a so-called a deep import. It will go directly to the file and not go to the index TS where the export is actually stands. And this is where the linter jumps in. The linter says, this is a violation against the rule. You are not allowed to have a deep import into another library. You need to use the barrel file. And if it's not there, then there is a reason for that because this is an, an encapsulated file. And this Mm -hmm. is what I would expect from from a real module. This is what the Angular module never provided. And on top of that, I also have something else. I can also say yes, but it's not. That's not enough. I also want to have these dependency rules. If I have a a multiple amount of libraries, or can also call it, we we can also call them modules. I want to define which modules can access. Other modules, so maybe I want that module A can access B, but I don't want that A can access C. And with this, we can really come up with uh, with dependency rules, and then we can build up a complete hierarchy of modules. And we say we can say yes. On top, there is this app module that can more or less include whatever it needs. I mean, in the, there, of course, there are some some patterns, mm-hmm. but you can come up with a hierarchy. They say not everybody can access just everything, but there is a rule, there is a strict hierarchy in there. And this is, I think this is the module that we should have used from the very beginning on, not the Angular module. And since the engine module is now optional, I hope it's clearer. So that when when people say, I really am looking for for support for a module, where to find it, that we say now, okay, just go to NX and and use talenting rules.
3: Cool. Mm -hmm. I think it will it will slowly, if Angular 15 is coming, it will slowly, gradually go away. Like uh, people will start to migrating to standalone component and slowly the NG model will go away. If it helps uh, a lot in maintaining the application or structuring the components and like thinking as a component way, not as a module way, Mm -hmm. uh, that will slowly grow. Maybe it will take one or two years to completely a big project but yeah it to
2: yes yes i think 2 years minimum <laughs> maybe even <yeah>. more <laughs> what, what 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 we see so far yeah i mean it also depends of course on the on the vendors on the external libraries because they all they, they yes. also need to migrate and this is also yeah. something we shouldn't forget it's not just our application most of our application has been written by somebody else uh, and this is right. the framework and the libraries so we depend on them
0: yeah yeah but i can i can imagine that yeah is people work through their application, right? They upgrade Angular, and then they're, you know, it's like, okay, now we're working over here. We're going to move these ng-modules over to standalone components. Okay, now we're working over here, right? And so you may have uh, ng-modules in your application for a while.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, if I'm a vendor of an external library, then of course it's my interest that I'm not the... Yeah, that's uh, a different story. Yes, yes.
0: But for me, working for a company and writing Angular code for the company, yeah. I would just kind of take it as it comes, and mm-hmm. then if we get to the point where you know there are only a handful left, or there's a big push for whatever reason they deprecate it, then it's like okay, well, we're going to stay current, so we're going to go and
2: yeah, push the yeah. rest of this through. Yeah, of course. I mean, there are there are these situations where say there's, there's a huge refactoring of a particular mm-hmm. module, and maybe this is the An opportunity just to migrate them to standalone. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. One more question coming to my mind is the about the NGRX. Mm -hmm. Uh, So how gonna you maintain the store? Like currently, we are importing the store in the suppose app module, and that Mm is shared across the whole application. And if you are going uh, with uh, standalone component, so how the store will be um, shared across them, and that that will be the Oh,
2: yeah. So, I mean, it's the same story for the HTTP client module, for example. I mean, you, you have these kind of services like right the store that need to be available on a, in the root scope. And this is currently done with the bootstrap application method. So you have there two options. You can provide services or you can provide modules that provide these kind of services. In this case, the store module for root would be one of them. So you place them there. And when it, of course, when it comes to the so-called feature states, where we say these are the ones that used to be part of a lazy loaded module in the past. So also a question, what are we going to do with lazy loaded modules? Because they are the ones uh, responsible for the code splitting. Um, Well, the the, the migration to that is very easy because you will not have a lazy loaded module anymore for for lazy loading. You will have uh, the router configuration itself, so just the routers, the, the router array, mm-hmm. um, that file will be lazy loaded, and that includes everything else. And in the router configuration, you can now add also the store module for feature, for example, or or, or these kind of modules that provide services only for this lazy loaded uh, junk uh, Or group of components that used to be that that, Mm -hmm. that we used to call ng module before. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, so so they 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 have already thought about it. Uh, It's Mm -hmm. uh, you see they they are already well prepared in Angular 14. They have already come up. They came already up with Mm -hmm. utility functions that help us with these advanced issues already. And yeah, so you, you see it's it's well thought of. Yeah.
3: At pretty cool. I think then at least we uh, we we all will have one or two of uh, one or two years of uh, extra work mm-hmm. so so it will be excited to change again everything and that will be yeah you know,
2: yeah, I mean it depends on the size of the application of course and of the okay. resources that you have, and also I think uh it also depends on the on the understanding of the of the product mm-hmm. owners if they want to give you the time which is required or if they say no no, if there is no immediate benefit. From it, then I, then I want to postpone it. Uh, so mm-hmm. there are many factors that will decide when, when people will start to migrate. But the important thing is that everything is ready and that there is a solution for the problems from the past. That we know how do we do this now in the, in this new world.
0: Yeah, right. Is there anything else that we should be talking about in this arena that we haven't covered yet?
2: We could maybe check out or, or just think why the other frameworks might not have this problem, for example, in React, because this is something that comes up quite often. Mm-hmm. Why does React not has the same problem? And here the answer is quite simple, because React has JSX or TSX, whatever you want to call it, right. whatever you want to do the implementation. And they said, well, we are just integrating the HTML into the TypeScript or JavaScript file itself, So it is actually JavaScript. And if you are referencing a component, a subcomponent in your JavaScript file, then you need to import it. And then you don't have this problem that you need to come up with something else. Angular on the other side, they decided to have a separate HTML file for that. Yeah, and then you need to come up with a particular place or a separate place where you can use the where you can place this import for this this for for this component. And and then this was I think this was this was discussed, or, and also it was also explained by the Angular team because they said yes, we know uh, if we would go with JSX, we wouldn't have this problem, but then maybe mm-hmm. we would have other problems, <laughs> and then there is always this this trade off. And so they decided. To go with a separate HTML file.
0: Cool. Yeah. Anything else we want to dive in on this before we do picks?
2: So, from my side, I don't know at the moment. I think I've covered everything which comes up in my article.
0: Cool. Well, we'll just go ahead and uh, roll into picks then.
1: Hi, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. And lately, I've been coaching some people on starting some podcasts and Go to topenddevs.com/coaching. I will give you a one-hour free session where we can figure out what you're trying to do, where you're trying to go, and figure out what the next steps are. And then from there, we can figure out how to get you to the place you want to go. So once again, that's topenddevs.com/coaching.
2: Yes. So I don't have that many picks, but I can just give some kind of advices. So what I would say if if you, so the listeners, if you're Angular developers, I would always recommend to take a look at some other frameworks as well, not to switch to them, but just to get a different perspective, to know how things can also be solved in a different way. And this is why I always recommend to do also a little bit of React. This is uh, something which is very good. And well, I I would also say, I mean, when it comes to programming, you just have to be you have you have you have to enjoy it. So uh, this 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 would be also awesome an advice from me. Uh, we have a lot of stress. There is a lot a lot of time of bucking of of of, of bug fixing and all that stuff. And I found out the ones that really perform quite well, uh, they are all developers that really enjoy programming, and yeah. This is also something which I would say it is very important. But yeah, uh, these are not the typical picks. I don't have any, uh, so just some kind of general advice. No, it's
0: all good. Okay, Supra, you have some picks for us?
3: Uh, yes. So this week pick will be a book written by Ankur Varykun, who is an Indian author. He's a two epic sit. So it's a book you can open any page and you can read a kind of fair advice. Uh, who what he has gone through in his uh, in its twentieth 30 year of career. So it's like that. Uh, you can it's, it's not a book to read from start to end. It's the open the book. You'll find something, close, and whenever you want, reopen it. Like uh, The Tribe of Mentor from, uh, I think, from Philips, uh, I think. And that, uh, I forgot the name. But yeah, I think that, the, that it's a good book. Please ch- check out if you have a chance to check out.
2: Cool.
0: Very cool. All right, I'm going to jump in here with a few picks. The first one is... So I went through a kind of a thing with top-end devs. So I had it hosted on DigitalOcean's app platform. And it's kind of a platform as a service. And what was happening was it would run for a while and then it would just stop giving uh, responding to requests. And I don't know if the platform as a service had some kind of load balancer on the front that was failing or anything else, but you know I'd go look at the logs and the logs didn't tell me anything. You know they were just empty. Tried to troubleshoot some other stuff. Tried to re- redeploy it. Um, eventually it would come back for a while and then it'd die again. So yeah, so I've moved it over. It's still on DigitalOcean instead of App Platform though. It's on a uh, uh, VPS. And anyway, their VPS service has always been pretty solid for me, so I'm pretty happy. But yeah, so I've moved top-end devs over. And uh, so I'm going to shout out about the VPS service and maybe app platforms just not ready for prime time, or maybe it's not ready for an app that's getting hit all the time with requests for RSS feeds. I don't know. I don't know what caused it to hang up. But anyway, that's that's kind of where that is. But yeah, I just thought I'd put that out there. I'm probably going to do a podcast episode just on that. I don't know if it's going to be on Ruby Rogue since this is a Rails app or if it's going to be somewhere else. Um, I'm working on actually adding premium podcasts to top-end devs. And then if you have a subscription, you'll be able to get those. And so we'll, we'll kind of see where that all ends up. But yeah, so I'm going to just kind of shout out about that. Another thing related to top-end devs is the conferences. We're going to be doing an Angular conference in, I want to say, November. So if you're interested in speaking go to topendevs.com slash conferences and just click on the uh, Angular Remote Conference, and there'll be a link to the CFP there. And then as far as board games go, we've been playing a whole bunch of Dice Forge again, and so I'm going to shout out about Dice Forge as a a game. It's funny because usually the more pieces you have in a board game, the higher the complexity score is or the weight is on Board Game Geek, but Dice Forge has a 1.97, so... It's, it's very much in the realm of the casual gamer. You can pick it up pretty fast. And effectively what you do is you get gold or they have two other basically currency tokens that you can spend to get cards or dice face. And then you swap the dice faces off of the dice and then you roll the dice to get better stuff. Right. And that's how you get more tokens. So or victory points and whoever has the most victory points at the end w- and wins. And it's basically that simple. But yeah, there are. When you set it up, there are about 11 or 12 cards you can buy. There are a dozen or so different dice spaces you can get just on the basic setup. And so that's why I kind of think of it as a little bit more complicated game than maybe they waited it. But the gameplay is pretty straightforward. Everybody rolls. Everybody gets what they rolled. You know, you buy stuff and then it's the next person's turn and the only other mechanism that might get a little complicated is is you can spend two fire tokens to take another action and that's basically the whole game so it's but it's fun um we bought an expansion the expansion gets a little more hairy you know because it adds other board elements and tracking elements and things like that but i I think that gets it up to a 2.3 which is still very much in the casual gamers arena so i'm going to pick that and One last pick I have is I've started watching 1883. I watched Yellowstone, which incidentally has a whole bunch of stuff in it that I kind of morally object to, but it was such a good show. So, so that's my guilty pleasure. 1883. I've only watched the first episode so far, but I've really enjoyed it as well. And I've been a country music fan forever. So to see Tim McGraw and Faith Hill in it was a lot of fun. The narrator is Isabel May and she was the actress in. Run, hide, fight on Daily Wire. And that was also a terrific movie. So I'm kind of enjoying seeing some familiar faces in this show. So I'm going to shout out about that too. Great.
2: What is it, 1883? All right. Is this a particular something you so, have to be aware
0: yeah, of? Yeah. So Yellowstone is a TV show that you could get on uh, Peacock, which mm-hmm. is a streaming service. Yes. And then 1883 is kind of the, what, the origin story of the Dutton family, how they got to Montana so it's a spin-off series
2: okay okay ah.
0: and so in the first episode you know they all kind of meet up in fort worth texas and they're looking you know you basically find out that they want to head north and homestead somewhere in the west so see. there's a whole bunch of other stuff that goes on of course but yeah. anyway so it's kind of interesting but yeah enjoyed it so yeah, if you liked yellowstone I'm kind of wondering if I'm going to like 1883 even better than Yellowstone. So we'll see. Okay. Yeah.
2: Two new shows on my list. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and wrap up. Rainer, where do people find you online if they want to ask more questions or connect and say that was awesome?
2: Yeah, then definitely on Twitter, so if there are any questions, any complaints or whatever, uh, please directly come um, contact me on Twitter. It's just my Which, name, wh- Rainer Hanekamp. Okay. Yeah. First name last name. That's it. And well, I will usually I answer very quickly.
0: All right. We'll put a link in the show notes too. Thanks for coming. This was awesome.
2: Thank you. Thank you, of course, also for having me.
0: All
1: right, folks. We're going to wrap
0: it up here. Until next time,
1: Max out. Okay. Bye-bye. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit dot com to learn more.